Welcome back to the Zcash Foundation podcast. On this episode, we have a panel discussion from the Zcon 2 conference called User-Defined Assets. This panel is moderated by our own Jack Gaffigan, the executive director of the Zcash Foundation, and includes panelists Ian Myers, Peter Van Valkenburg, J.R. Willett, and Matt Luongo. Let's jump in. So the idea of creating a, uh, uh, or allowing users to create their own tokens, their own assets, their own cryptocurrencies um, is something that Ethereum really uh, jumped on that became a killer use case for Ethereum and spurred a lot of use of that system. And the same idea has been around in the context of Zcash since before Zcash uh, launched. But um, today, there's been other uh, higher priorities like improving efficiency, making it easier to use shielded transactions and whatnot. More recently, um, there's been some more discussion about the idea of what we call user-defined assets or ZK assets or tokens, or, and I'm sure that we'll, uh, some, some more different names will be, uh, will be used during the course of this panel. Um, so this panel session is drawing together some people who have uh, a background in this space, who have uh, relevant experience, who have, who have relevant knowledge about the advantages, the disadvantages, the pitfalls, the potential for adding this type of technology to Zcash. Um, we'll go around uh, and let everybody introduce um, themselves. I, of course, am Jack Gavigan, um, Executive Director of the Zcash Foundation, and Ian. Yep, so I'm Ian Myers. Uh, I'm a professor at the University of Maryland outside Washington, DC, and Zcash actually came out of work that ultimately was my PhD thesis. Uh, so I've been here since well before the beginning and am also on the board of directors for the uh, Zcash Foundation. I'm uh, Peter Van Valkenburg. Uh, I am by far the least technical person on this panel. I have a law and economics background. I've been on the board of the Zcash Foundation since its inception, uh, along with Matt and Andrew. And um, my day job is at Coin Center, which is a a nonprofit policy organization based here in Washington, D.C., uh, oddly as well, um, not far from Ian. Uh, and we specialize in educating people in government about cryptocurrency technology and how it can be a benefit to, to, to humanity. Um, yep. My name is J.R. Willett. I'm probably best known for having done the first ICO. Um, it was called MasterCoin. It was uh, basically to put user assets on top of Bitcoin. And uh, it did a bunch of other stuff too. And uh, so someone had the idea, well, we're thinking about doing this on Zcash. Maybe we should invite this guy and have him talk on our panel. So here I am. And hey guys, I'm Matt Luongo. Um, I run a venture production studio called Thesis. Uh, we do a lot of Bitcoin and now we're hoping to do some Zcash adjacent work, um, Fold, Keep, TBTC. Um, and then finally, uh, Saddle. Cool. We're going to kick it off with a, with a kind of a round robin of some questions. But uh, for everybody who's listening live, please go to the Discord. Please go to the uh, channel, the UDA's uh, panel channel, and post any questions uh, or comments that you have in there. And we'll be uh, surfacing those towards the, uh, the end of this session. So, Peter, let's start off with you. Uh, you've been, uh, and by the way, I feel like everybody um, 
should, uh, should should tell us what their favorite uh, terminology is for, for for what we're talking about. Um, I personally use UDAs. Um, Peter, you've been a strong advocate of them uh, of adding UDAs to Zcash. Why do you think the combination of uh, of this feature and Zcash style privacy is so powerful? Yeah. So. Um... You know, aside from just being interested in sort of flexible cryptocurrency blockchains, like say Ethereum, since Ethereum's inception and having to explain these things to policymakers in DC, like what is an ERC-20 token standard and such and such and such back two or three, four years ago, uh, maybe not four years ago. But aside from just general interest, uh, I really started thinking about this with respect to Zcash and the Zcash Foundation um, when I was just chatting with Ian about how can we improve this protocol so that people will actually want to use it. Um, Zcash as a protocol is great for privacy. It is probably the most robust attempt at creating a private digital cash. Um, but the fact of the matter is, sadly, that people, and this is just revealed preferences, just look at the, the apps that people use, people will always willingly trade their intimate details for ease and flexibility in technology. And so the best thing we can do is instead of whining about how people should care about their privacy more because they won't listen, is eliminate the trade-off as much as possible. There's certain iron laws that may be uh, irreducible, but if we can stop having this trade-off and people can have ease and flexibility with the things they want to do with their computers while still maintaining privacy, that's, that's the, by far the best. Also, generally... I've always been uneasy with a certain aspect of all cryptocurrencies, which is there's this there's these two distinct innovations. There's these decentralized blockchains, which allow peer-to-peer -peer, um, money and transactions and interactions. And then there's this monetary policy that comes from the Bitcoin community. And I don't think there's anything wrong with a fixed supply monetary unit inherently. I'm not against like a gold type standard, but I think it's one particular economic view and it's a very um, tightly held and narrow economic view of what money should be. Uh, and it has limitations. And I just don't like limitations. I like Austrian economics, but I'm not a Rothbardian or a Misesian, if you guys know what that is. I'm a Hayekian who wants to see competition amongst monies. You know, there shouldn't just be one coin to rule them all. There shouldn't be one monetary policy to run, run them all. We should look to the market for competition there. And that means I want, like in a Hayekian sense, bottom-up flexibility for money. If somebody thinks they have a better idea of how to create a transferable unit, they should be able to enact that using a privacy-protecting infrastructure that is basically purpose agnostic that is just a platform for whatever money you want to create and should also be capable of providing privacy to you. So this synergy of something that's flexible like Ethereum, but private like Zcash is exactly what I want. Um, I wrote a post that got published uh, on the foundation blog a couple of days ago or, or maybe yesterday. Uh, and that's where I sort of outlined my full views. So I won't go through the whole thing, but I just want to say that there's like two big use cases that most interest me. First is stable coins. And the reason for that is, again, flexible monetary policies are interesting. We should experiment with them. But the main reason is to the extent that Zcash or, or cryptocurrencies can have a human rights impact, it's this ability for people to raise money, even if they're being censored by the mainstream financial system. So you look at pro-democracy protesters in Belarus, anti-police violence protesters in Nigeria, they've had success raising money using Bitcoin after being cut off from the correspondent banking system systematically by corrupt persons in their, in their countries. And that's fantastic. That is the best news that's come out of the Bitcoin or crypto community over the last few years, um, far apart from anything discussed in Miami uh, last weekend. Now, the problem is these people are being forced to use a very volatile asset in order to do that kind of human rights uh, essential work. And that might be fine 
Um, but it shouldn't be an iron trade-off. They shouldn't have to use a particular maybe fixed supply monetary unit in order to do that kind of censorship-resistant fundraising. So we should have stable coins that are fully private and that are flexible. Um, and then the other thing is I think there's a larger uh, range of use cases, which again, I won't go into into depth, which can evolve towards better cybersecurity, better digital identity tools that may involve tokenized credentials, verifiable credentials with some level of privacy, but some level of revelation. To, to look into this, I think you should go watch Balaji Srinivasan's talk about the pseudonymous economy, about how we may want to build economies where you reveal selective aspects of yourselves when you interact with other people online or in communities. You should be able to share some aspects of your reputation without sharing your full name in real life. To do that, we're going to need decentralized infrastructure for things like credentials. Uh, and that's a huge project that's much larger than just user-defined assets. But that is, I think, ultimately where I really want to see the direction of the, the tech go. It's interesting you talk there about you know, allowing people the freedom to do their, to do their own thing. I think that permissionlessness, permissionlessness Leo, is, is, is a core um, concept for me. When it comes to, to something like Zcash, you know, making sure that people can do um, what they want without having to go anywhere and ask for permission or to to to, to have anybody else restrict what they can do. Uh, Jr., you know, as you said, you you ran you know the first ICO and you did so in order to fund creation of a protocol for for transferring assets on top of Bitcoin. And that protocol went on to be used by Tether to transfer billions of dollars uh, worth of value um, around. Now. Uh, one of the concerns that has been raised regarding implementing UDAs on the Zcash network is that is the risk that no value will accrue to the underlying network and that the value of the user-defined assets, the tokens or whatever gets, gets created on top of the Zcash network will come to dwarf that of the native token, i.e. Zek. And MasterCoin has been cited as an example of how this can happen because while the, 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 the MasterCoin or later the Omni protocol was widely successful, um, it ultimately the, the the master coins themselves never really uh, accrued any value. Um, now Ethereum would, would appear to be the, the the counter example to this, where it's been also wildly successful, and it would appear that the market has recognised how valuable Ethereum is for that purpose. But so, do you think there's a valid concern here that um, that the, we have this top heavy effect where where the the assets that are that are uh, placed onto or created on a network can end up uh, effectively squeezing out the native token. Uh, yeah, I mean, it depends on how you set up the economics. And the nice thing about cryptocurrencies is you get kind of a blank slate and you get to set up the economics however you want. In the case of MasterCoin, uh, which later became Omni, uh, the, the, the value of the, the new token that was released on top of Bitcoin, it went up like a hundredfold. And then as Ethereum came out uh, and started uh, taking up a lot of the oxygen in the um, user assets space, uh, the price of MasterCoin dropped about a hundredfold. I mean, so, you know, and it, that took, you know, many months and maybe a couple of years, uh, but it was really more that um, uh, Omni uh, ended up 
being less flexible than Ethereum, and people liked that flexibility. Now, the the advantage was the with Omni that uh, the the less flexibility also meant that you know it never got hacked. You know, you never saw you know a line of code in somebody's Solidity contract um, ending with you know millions of dollars getting lost. So there is some advantage to having a very prescriptive way of releasing user assets, but uh, the market spoke and 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 they chose ethereum uh for most user asset stuff now uh i think the risk uh to a protocol of releasing assets is not as much economic because generally they charge attacks uh to anything that's released on top of them um and and if something is wildly successful at a higher layer uh, it tends to benefit the lower later layer economically i think the bigger risk is more of a network congestion risk i remember two or three years ago uh our cto sent me a chart and he said look um omni transactions which were almost all tether transactions he said they're almost half of every bitcoin transaction is an omni transaction and uh, you know that's a that's a big chunk of transactions, and it was driving up the transaction fees for everyone. And you know we saw this happen with Ethereum, with somebody releases CryptoKitties, and all of a sudden the network slows to a halt because there's so much volume going through. So you know you could definitely make the argument that you know CryptoKitties benefited Ethereum economically, but everybody that wanted to send money uh, at a particular time of network congestion had to take into account the fact that tons of other people were using it. So I, the, the summary is it'll probably benefit it economically. It'll probably hurt it from a transaction volume standpoint. If it's successful and you become a victim of your own success. I know that, you know, obviously ECC have, uh, you know, decided just a couple of years ago, in fact, that they, they were going to focus on scaling and, and you know, hopefully um, the solutions that they are bringing to the Zcash protocol, both in um, uh, in the form of Halo, uh, which is due in the next network upgrade, um, and going forward, you know, will hopefully remove that that risk, for, or at least uh, ameliorate that risk for for Zcash. Um, uh, moving on to Ian, um, there's obviously different uh, different ideas floating around, and different names and different ways of implementing. Uh, this sort of technology on a, on a platform like Zcash, um, based on your exposure to to the cutting edge of technology in this space, what are the what are the most valid options um, you know for the foreseeable future of implementing uh, UDAs or ZK assets or whatever we want to call them from a from a technical and a cryptographic perspective? That's a good question. So from a cryptographic perspective, uh, while there are, I guess, options, there's one really clear choice that we've had prototype code for both for doing in sampling and now for doing in Orchard, which is the system that uses Halo. Uh, And it's actually just entirely, it's a sort of from a cryptographic standpoint, what we call trivial in terms of a change. Uh, basically, you can think of it as a normal Zcash transaction is the encryption of the owner of the money, uh, money, the amount, and some metadata. Um, if I was giving a lecture, I'd point out this is actually a commitment, not encryption, but you can think of it just we encrypt these things. All we have to do to do a custom asset is add to that an extra piece of data, which is what type of money is it? Is it a shielded tether? Is it some ERC-20, et cetera? and then make a very small change to the zero knowledge proof, the rules that allow you to do transactions to make sure you can't mix and match, say, Tether or Zek. 
And we know how to do this. Um, Strad and Dara Hopwood worked out how to do it efficiently in, in, in Orchard. Um, and it's not hard. In fact, uh, other cryptocurrencies already are running with uh, this prototype. There is a version of this called MASP, the multi-asset shielded pool, which is live on, I believe, still just a test net for Tezos. Um, but from that point of view, it actually is, is quite straightforward. The more interesting questions, uh, of which I am not as much of an expert, on what kind of economic things you can build atop these things uh, once we have them, right? Can we do cross-chain things to uh, say automated market makers on Ethereum or natively on Zcash uh, and such in like a version two or three or four. But for the basic version to iterate and ship, we already know how to do it. We already have prototype code. And uh, thanks to Halo, we don't even have to do another trusted setup ceremony. So there's really not a blocker. Yeah, I know, I know that, um, you know, obviously ECC haven't done a lot of the technical work here. They, they've uh, recently uh, engaged with George Mason University to do some of the uh, uh, e e econo research around uh, the, the economics of, of uh, creating this sort of functionality and how it will, how it will impact uh, Zcash. I guess, I guess one of the, one of the, Ian, just, just go back to you. Um, how, what are the technical implications of allowing people to have or to create assets that can be both transparent and shielded versus uh, shielded only? Is there is there a huge advantage to doing it in a, in a shielded only manner? Yeah, I think there's an advantage technically if you don't have to maintain two different code bases and and pass to the code, which is a security and, and just operational pain. There's a usability point if you just get this one thing. Uh, and there's a major point of, uh, if we provide shielded assets, ZK assets is what I like to call them, uh, we will have an incentive for exchanges to adopt and support actually making private transactions, whereas currently they don't. Not so much actually, it turns out, because of compliance reasons, but because exchanges are busy and there's no way for some developer to justify to their manager that, hey, I should put in the... Uh, 40 to 120 hours that it would take to war out shielded on a small exchange uh, when it's not, there's no customer demand. Uh, but if we have shielded only assets, we get customer demand. Um, so I think it's, that's a serious advantage. Cool. Matt, um, during the DevFund discussions, uh, I guess what, a year and a half ago now or so, you expressed an interest in in doing work to bring UDAs to Zcash as part of a as part of a major grant. Are you still planning to do that? And and what do you perceive to be the the biggest obstacles from a, from a practical perspective? Yeah, um, so I'm obviously still really excited about Zcash, which is why I'm here. Um, but it's it's kind of a a bit of a complicated calculus as far as both on the business side, but also like I think I approach all of these problems from a as pragmatic a startup approach as I can. So I think, is there product market fit? Yes, no. And that's kind of always the first question. And so um, so I guess the way that I'm looking at this, uh, I'm, I I sort of assume that the ECC and, and that everyone on this call has kind of already handled the cryptography. And I'm asking myself, like, what users want this? And obviously, all of us on this call are going to say, well, we want people who are, you know, battling oppressive regimes to be able to fundraise. And actually like, that's why I, those are the reasons I got into the space, but the majority of people um, in our space right now are, you know, uh, oh gosh, let's not curse, slinging altcoins, slinging altcoins. And they are, uh, and you know, sort of like trading. 
And, and one of the things that I noticed um, from sort of like the master coin and Omni to Ethereum transition is, you know, once you have an asset, what do you do with it, right? Because if you look at the shelling point, there are only so many assets that are interesting in our space right now to like a regular user. Um, there's, uh, there's Bitcoin, which is here's where our Austrians can go. Um, there's, a, there's a very particular premise behind the asset and they've mostly given up on any sort of technical dominance. Um, there's a whole bunch of other coins which are largely competing on tech, um, which is interesting. There's, uh, there's people who have just given up and said, okay, we're, we're the next GameStop, AMC, Shiba, whatever. Um, there are stable coins. And then you have to ask yourself, like, what, what else is there? So um, one of the things that I see when I look at, um, I'm going to call them ZRC20s. Now, when I, when I look at ZK assets, uh, is I'm not actually sure that there is a strong demand to mint new assets. I am sure there's a strong demand um, to move stable coins and existing popular assets primarily on Ethereum. Um, and so that's, that's really what I look at is like, you know, I don't, I don't know that Zcash needs to take the reputational hit of, of making it easy to launch private um, dog money. But I do think that, uh, that it would be really cool to be able to, to move around cash. Um, I am concerned though um, about the, the economic ramifications and the reason is that, uh, you know, we work across a few different, uh, a few different chains and, and communities. And I like to sort of like play cross-chain sociologist. And one of the things that I see in the Zcash community is that the ideology is so strong, which is very attractive, that we, but that we sometimes skip, you know, some things that uh, investors in an asset might want to see. Even using the term investor, I think, is often the faux pas. Um, and so for me, when I look at the economics, I'm like, okay, uh, if you're going to be running, say, a centralized uh, stablecoin in in a shielded pool on Zcash, I'd like you to to pay seniorage. So that doesn't mean per transaction. There are tons of privacy issues with that, but I think that it's really hard to justify using shielded pool. It's hard for the chain without knowing that it's getting its vig, it's getting its piece, and that uh, and that value is accruing to Zeke. And then uh, and then it's difficult. Um, yeah, it's just sort of difficult for the rest of us, I think, who are involved. Uh, I, I won't out this particular community member, but at a conference, I had someone walk up to me and say, well, you know, if I can just have perfectly private USD on Zcash, I should just sell all my Zeke and move to that. And maybe, uh, but let's like make sure that you're paying a tax and improving network security when that happens. Um, I don't think that that needs to stop the experiment from moving forward. Uh, I think that we we need to find product market fit, but I do want to make sure people pay. So what I, about the sorry, sorry to, to, to let me quick play off. What about the fact that there, first of all, thanks to JR, there there were dollars on the Bitcoin network for a long time. What about the fact that there are stable coins on the on the Ethereum network for a long yeah. time? Do you think that that you know is a is 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 an argument against the idea that just the I availability have, of more stable assets means that people are yeah. going to dump their seek? So, so the reason, so the narrative I have um, for Omni versus Ethereum, why Ethereum wins is that on Ethereum, we can come up with games for people to play with their money. Like if you look at DeFi right now, there are a couple narratives. So one is the, you know, Bitcoin is replacing central banks and now DeFi is helping replace retail banking. It's like this very elegant um, narrative. Another is that this is a decentralized casino and that you can lever up and lever down and trade assets 
and make just ridiculous amounts of money and lose it very quickly. And no one even needed to design the incentives. Humans came with the incentives and we just gave them the tools to, to actually run the casino. So, um, I, you know, there's the, there's the sort of beautiful cathedral and then there's maybe a little bit closer to reality. Um, and on Zcash, I don't think that there's an appetite to build a decentralized casino. Um, I, I, I don't, I, I haven't heard lately about uh, talks of full programmability on chain. I know that it's possible with Halo and, and moving toward that, but there's an entire ecosystem that Ethereum has built that supports that sort of behavior that Zcash doesn't have yet. And so for me, um, I don't, I don't want to get fancy. I just, I just think uh, when people come over, they might not have anything to do other than move their money around. Um, and that's probably enough, but let's make sure that, uh, that they are charged. Yeah. So I, I really agree with, with Matt's point that the major market so far is just going to be moving around existing assets uh, privately. Um, but I'm actually quite skeptical, maybe you could explain, that this argument about economics, um, I don't quite get because Zcash doesn't exist in a vacuum. In fact, we are rapidly, and I do mean rapidly in the order of, of a year to 18 months, running out of time where we are the only people with a serious privacy game in town. Yeah. And so there may be a couple of whales who are like, well, if there was private uh, tether, I just drop all my sack. The thing is, um, one, as Peter said, I think private tether and uh, you know private, uh, I can't name the economists he described because I don't remember them, um, you know, private like Bitcoin like money are two different things and they don't, they don't compete. But two, there's going to be private tether on some other chain, whether it's you know Ironfish, which is a Zcash fork, something like MobileCoin if it gets up or just Aztec on Ethereum. And so I don't think we get to play the game of just because we don't put up uh, ZK assets on chain that we don't have to compete with ZK stable coins. We will. They just won't be on Zcash and won't even be paying Zcash transaction fees. And Agreed. so we don't get a wait. Yeah, uh, I, actually, if, if this doesn't sound like urgency um, for me, then I'm, I'm misspeaking. So I do think that this is an urgent market relevance concern. Yeah. Um, and I think that we, we need to see shielded assets which is for me why um, on the one hand, I'm happy to hear that there's GMU involved with economics, but on the other hand, you know, we'll see, it's probably going to be a little bit more complicated than we need and take maybe 12 months longer. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I, so I lean heavily toward, this is why I lean towards seniorage um, because it's, it's uniform and it's simple. If you mint an asset on Zcash, just pay a percent of that asset. And then after that, all fees work the same as with SEC transactions. Yeah, what, what do you take of the, the idea of sort of um, uh, ship whatever for version one, we have the crypto tech, we ship some fee mechanism or no yeah. fee mechanism and then iterate. Uh, so um, this is a, a bit of a thing that I'm dealing with right now with TBTC where we're working on V2 and it's very much a, okay, we've done like the very secure thing. Now let's ship the very scalable thing and try to try to go mass market. And I suggested, um, well, what if we made a couple trade-offs and what if we kind of like lowered the bar a little bit for ourselves and then we iterated toward better and the community backlash. I, I didn't, I haven't even announced it widely because uh, early community members just sort of like, we're not a fan. So I think if the community will allow you to do that, it's fantastic. There's no reason to allow this economic question to stop development or, or to hold it off. There just needs to be a plan where if you know you're taking on like economic or organizational debt, you're going to pay it uh, next network upgrade. 
Um, but yeah, the question is just whether or not the community is okay with kind of relaxing some things. I, th I think that when you, when you create something like Zcash and then uh, responsible or charged in some way with, with, with helping maintain it or steward it, there is this instinct to protect it. There's this instinct to, to, to kind of, um, you know, protect it from, 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 from the risks and try and to try and ensure that, it, that it doesn't end up getting squashed. But I think there's also a risk that in trying to protect it, you, you, you end up constraining it. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm personally a huge fan of, um, of creating uh, functionality and then allowing people to use it in creative ways, you know, without necessarily thinking, oh, this is what the, this is the use case for this technology, you know, like JR, when, when, when you created, uh, you know, Mastercoin, did you expect that uh, it would end up being used to, to transfer billions of dollars around or, or you know, what, what, what was the use case that you kind of envisaged when you, when you came up with the protocol? I was really excited about algorithmically stabilized stable coins. And I was really excited about trading um, derivatives. Uh, so kind of the stuff that you see, some of the stuff you see happening on DeFi, on Ethereum right now. Um, and uh, I, my thesis was there's trillions of dollars changing hands in the Forex markets and in the options markets. And if even a tiny, tiny fraction of that came to a decentralized protocol, it would, it would balloon absurdly. And um, so that was, that was what I was excited about. And, and for Zcash, uh, I think there is an immense opportunity for a private US dollar. And this has been alluded to, but I don't, I don't think, like, I don't, I don't hear the excitement that I would expect to hear about how huge that could potentially be uh, to have a private US dollar. Um, now, there's, I don't want to say there's no downside to that. Uh, you know, like in addition to enabling many people that are oppressed, um, you know, and, and, and freeing them to a degree, you're also uh, freeing up an, a huge number of uh, criminal enterprises who would love to have a very private U.S. dollar that they could transfer from one place to another. And so, you know, you should expect, you know, to, you're going to have some conversations. Uh, you know, someone's going to get called before Congress. Somebody's going to have the FBI knock on their door. I mean, these are just things that happen. And uh, but the, the opportunity, the economic opportunity there is huge. And you have to ask yourself, well, OK, maybe the world might even be worse off if we build this, but somebody's going to build it, you know, and do you want it to be some other project that gets massive because you didn't? Um, I know for me, the calculus is if it's going to be built anyway, I kind of want to be the person to build it. It's like an Ian Malcolm moment in Jurassic Park where you're like, you were so concerned with whether you could, you never asked if you should, but I think you're right. Like someone will build this and the, the thing we're going to want from a public policy standpoint, so putting, putting my lawyer hat on, is for responsible persons to build this for the right reasons, right? And to do whatever they can to put reasonable guardrails in place that don't extend, however, to like some sort of master key for the whole system. Because if you put that master key in, you're just going to hurt innocent people and someone else will build something without a master key. Sorry to keep using master, John. But um, I think, you know, as far as, you know, getting hauled in front of Congress or whatever, this is exactly what we are... Um, this is our comparative advantage in the Zcash community. I think, you know, I, I don't mean to be like on my high horse, but I think generally our intentions are 
very pure from an ideological standpoint. We want to see private peer-to-peer electronic cash. And the best way to do that right now, given macroeconomic situation, would, would be to have peer-to-peer private dollars, because that's, that's widely around the world what is considered good money and people are comfortable with. And so if we enable that, I think you're absolutely right. We've done the probably the single most important thing we can do to improve human conduct if you believe that, you know, before banks basically made every transaction visible, we didn't have a lawless society. Back when every transaction was done with cash in person, we didn't have a lawless society. And that was the free society that we want. So we can rebuild that now digitally. And that's that's why I'm passionate about this stuff. The other interesting point is we can have a we will have a competitive market for different stable coins. You have, you know, Z wrapped Tether, uh, ZK wrapped uh, USDC, USD whatever Gemini's coins called, and these guys have very different approaches to blacklisting and and, and money laundering prevention. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in some ways, it it allows us to to a little bit and say, look, that can sort itself out, right? If you want to go ban. Uh, you know, USD tether in your country. Well, we don't think that's a good idea, but we're not going to stop it. You can go, whatever, figure it out. Um, you know, and this goes to Matt's point as well. And I think I agree with Matt's approach that it's easiest to get computationally derived assets from other chains onto Zcash rather than building them from scratch on Zcash. We're going to find out from a regulatory standpoint what the response to really private dollars is that, that move over the internet. It might be that these you know, these centrally backed tokens like a a USDC or a Gemini dollar, um, they're not going to feel comfortable uh, porting those things to our chain. Um, And they're going to put kill switches in and things like that because maybe their regulators will blink. I'm not sure. The New York Department of Financial Services has actually shown an interest in privacy preserving payments, which is great. But that's certainly not going to be the case from every regulator in every country. And so, you know, the idea of DAI or RAI ending up on Zcash, uh, you know, with Zcash's privacy guarantees is really exciting to me because that's going to be a different, uh, a different calculus from a regulatory standpoint. And I, I guess I just want to bring back to this point of this stuff is coming on some other chain anyway. We don't get the luxury of waiting uh, 12 to 18 months for some economists at wherever to figure out a, a model to do this. And we will find out what this world looks like. We will either be finding out from the sidelines or with the transactions on our chain, paying fees and, and Zach and where we can shape it and, and, and they can fund further development and such. I don't want to say it's already too late, but it's pretty late stage, I think. Um, yeah, we, we are behind the curve on this. Mm-hmm. Who's, there's a, there's who's a leading? question. Sorry. Matt, who do you think is leading? Um, so there's like, there's like the meta question, like, what do I think is going to get adoption first, but then like, which teams have the highest momentum? Um, and actually this came up a cup, uh, Zcon last time we were all in person, which is like, people were talking about matter labs. I was like, why do people care about matter labs at Zcon? And now I'm like, now I understand why people care about matter labs just because the momentum is so high. Um, but I would expect, it just seems like they have higher momentum uh, than Aztec as well on the Ethereum side. All of the Tezos stuff, all of these other chains, I, I personally don't care. Um, and, and the reason is that they don't have a narrative or credibility in the space. Bitcoin has credibility, Ethereum has credibility, and actually Zcash has credibility that is very rare. And so for me, 
getting good shielded assets on, on Zcash means the narrative can go from private money, which people are like, you know, that could be anywhere to privacy for all, all of our money, like a privacy layer for the whole space. And I think that that's, um, everyone can get behind that. Hmm. There's, a, there's a question, uh, which I think is from uh, Nathan from ECC. Um, if there's demand for moving existing assets across chains, which is effectively what we're talking about when we're talking about digital dollars and, uh, and whatnot, um, what will this look like when we see massive migrations to or from different chains as product market fit keeps evolving? Um, and he cites the Tether migration from, from the only protocol on Bitcoin to, to Ethereum as an example of that. Um, you know, if, 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 if we're talking about an economic model where uh, these um, asset transactions uh, require fees be paid in the underlying, in the underlying asset, in, in our case, in, in, in Zeek. Um, what does that mean if, if this sort of functionality becomes commoditized and you just have pure uh, competition between different chains? Like let's say somebody just clones, uh, you know, clones the Zcash repo and creates a, a chain that's dedicated to allowing people to create and transfer uh, other assets. That's for anyone to pick up. So I... I... I think that's a metagame question of what if we succeeded and then it went wrong. And in fact, we, we've seen this, um, okay, I'll just back to, particularly from, from, from senior people at ECC, we've seen this sort of, what if this thing that looks good for Zcash actually is bad uh, take for quite a while and it's possible, right? But at least we'd have these things on here to start with and could you know, compete on say, we have the better team to maintain rather than the fork because technical updates are hard. We have the better scaling pack rather than the fork again, because technical updates are hard. The number of teams that actually execute on, on complicated ZK cryptography is approximately three, right? Um, and so you would be in a competitive market with a market share that would be yours to lose, uh, but you'd have it and you'd have the advantage. Whereas right now we run the very serious risk of being on the sidelines. Um, and by the way, if you lose, if it turns out that everyone moves to some other thing and you're back to just being Zach, well, you're back where you started, but having gotten more interested community members involved and more exchanges listing shielded assets uh, and therefore shielded Zach in the same way if we're clever about how we roll it out. And so we've grown the thing and then it's contracted a little bit, but we'll still be better off for it. I mean, I think you just have to look at Uniswap and SushiSwap to see your answer there. Like, you know, of course, this stuff's going to get copied. And interestingly, speaking with the folks over there at Uniswap, like they admire the work that SushiSwap's spending on their mobile app. And yet they're terrified about all the underlying stuff in Sushi that is not being updated like it's being updated on Uni. And so you actually get a pretty healthy competitive environment. There's a lot of stealing, but this is not the copyright world. This is not the trademark world. This is open source development, man. And it's rough and tumble and you got to be fast. Rising so. tide to raise our ships. Yeah. <laughs> There's also like fortune favors the bold. I think part of the conservative take in Zcash land is freedom money. We're helping people in press regimes, that idea. And so it's not like, oh, wow, I messed up. And this speculator lost a million dollars that was ill-gained in the first place. It's not the same. You're like, you're, you're talking about trying to help people who are struggling more. Um, and I think that that's something that the community's got to decide is like, do you want to move a little faster and, and stay relevant um, and maybe make an economic mistake that you'll have to have to rectify later? Um, but that also means that your mistake could end up being someone's freedom. And I think that's really hard to stomach uh, coming from, for example, 
when you're screwing around on Ethereum and you're like, well, I didn't do anything. I just shipped some code and, and they, they put their life savings into it. Yeah, the, the good news, that is really a worry. The good news is, at least until we get into really complicated fee mechanisms that are not what you're proposing with yeah. senior and stuff, the privacy risks of doing this are, um, I'm gonna regret phrasing this way, but approximately zero. Yeah. Um, we have a very you good- You guys under- have the best team and community for this yeah. too. Like you, I, you are the best possible, you're, you are in the best possible place to ship this if you can ship it. And this has always been the trade-off with Zcash. Like we don't have a full audit of the number of coins on the blockchain at any time because we can't, because they're private. We care about privacy more than we care about the possibility of inflation, which is you know there, always there with every chain, maybe a little worse than zero knowledge chains, but we care about privacy. Right, and we, we've got to embrace that. Um, but this is what do you, you need privacy. Why? Well, freedom fighters and dissidents are nothing. Also, like if you're doing DeFi, you don't want people tracking all your transactions or figuring out your positions because, you know, that'll be bad. If, if we were to move to a model where, um, where the Zcash, Zcash became a platform for issuing and, and transacting other, other assets and we achieved these, um, these huge scalability um, enhancements that that ECC is is, is working towards. Um, do you do you think there's a risk that um, the underlying asset Zeke then just becomes purely commoditized? You know, with no with no uh, capacity constraints to to um, require that people pay higher fees to get their get their transactions through. Do you think that um, that you, know, you end up with a with a platform that works very very well for other people, but ultimately um, doesn't work necessarily for people who who hold Zcash. Jr., I think you got your hand up. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to answer that question because there's a there's a little bit of uh, economic magic involved in in trade off discussions like that. Uh, I th- what it makes me think of is companies in Silicon Valley who think, well, we're going to get the users now and worry about the revenue later. That's a really good way to to think about it because that sometimes works really well. So the fact that you've, you know, lowered fees enough to allow a huge number of transactions doesn't necessarily hurt you if everybody moves to your platform and you're making, you know, a hundred times more money on a hundred thousand times as many transactions, you know, that, that can still be a big win. So I, I don't think I would be afraid of, you know, oh, well, the, you know, let's, you know, let's, let's, what if we make it too easy to transact here? That's not a problem that I would worry about. I would worry about adoption. And, and I want to speak to something that somebody said earlier about, you know, uh, projects stealing from each other. This happens all the time. Uh, you know, a, a, a project copied me at one point, uh, they, that same project copied Ethereum, you know, and, and this, uh, that, what, what that leaves you with is your only moat uh, if you don't have copyright protection, your only moat is user adoption and uh, network effects. So then, you know, and we see p- projects that have huge user, user adoption. I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to step on anybody's sa- sacred cows, but, you know, sometimes those projects don't do a lot of innovating and they still keep a huge market value. And, uh, and you know, you might think that, that that doesn't make any sense, but it's it, sometimes it just comes down to st- stupid stuff like name recognition. And this other project over here is doing this huge innovation. And for whatever reason, you know, they don't have the name recognition. And, and guess what? The, the bigger project can just steal your stuff. And 
and it's like you never even existed. So, uh, you know, that, that's, the, that's the lesson for me is you want to be the big project with lots of name recognition. And, and yeah, you want to be, be easy to use and you want lots of people using you and, and the money will come if you get that. And I wanted to stack on that point. If you're worried that ZK assets in general are going to outclass uh, ZK sound money, and I think, in fact, these are two different things and they don't really compete. But if you're worried about that, that's going to happen on some other chain anyway. And those chains are coming. Right. So this is not a it's a false trade off. We don't get to choose whether there are ZK assets or just Zach. We only get to choose whether there are ZK assets on Zcas or not. And if you're worried that the existence of them is going to screw over Zach, then that will come to pass whether we put them on our chain or not. And we got like 12 months, maybe. Well, uh Right now, I'm afraid we've only got one minute left, so I'm going to draw to a close there. There are a bunch of questions on the Discord, so um, including one from Matt about uh, what you mean by senior ad. Um, so I'd encourage I'd encourage all the panelists to hop on Discord and uh, and take a look at the at the discussion and the questions there, and, and we can continue the discussion there. But uh, for now, I'd like to say thank you to everyone, Peter, Ian, Matt, and Jr. Especially, thank you very much for for joining us. Uh, next up uh, uh, for Zcon uh, will be a conversation with ZOMG starting in about ten minutes. Um, so uh, please join us for that. But for now. Hopefully next time we uh, we we speak to you on this topic, we'll uh, we'll have more concrete plans for UDAs or zk assets or zrc twenties or whatever we end up calling them on the Zcash network. But for that, for now, goodbye. Thanks, everyone. All right. Thanks for listening in to another episode of the Zcash Foundation podcast. If you would like to join the community in discussing user-defined assets on Zcash, we encourage you to go to forum.zcashcommunity.com to do so. And you can learn more about us and sign up for our newsletter at zfnd.org and find us on Twitter at Zcash Foundation. Thanks.